Welcome to the Big Fellas Podcast, where we chop it up about all things past, present, and future about the game of basketball. Where facts, stats, and context reign supreme. That is blasphemous. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. Always keep it real. Get ready to learn from players, coaches, and fans from all levels of the game and see the court in a brand new way. And now, fresh off the sidelines, here's your host, John Hartofillis. What it do, fellas, and welcome to the Big Fellas Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, JH, coming to you from New York City, the mecca of basketball. Today, I'm joined by Dre Alday Baldwin. For the past 15 years, Dre Alday has changed the lives of over 60 million entrepreneurs, athletes, and business professionals, sold thousands of copies of his books, courses, and programs, and built a business that helps tens of thousands of people master their game in business, sports, and in life. Dre has a proven mental game framework that you can use to transform yourself from the inside out and play your best game at the highest level. We've got a good one in store for you today, fellas. Episode number 16, Dre Baldwin, Dre all day. Hey, Dre, what's going on? Uh, what's not going on, man? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me on. Awesome, man. I know you're super busy. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm really looking forward of to course. talking to you today. So just to start off, can you just kind of walk our listeners through your story? Mine's kind of very similar in, in the sense of I, I didn't make the, my high school basketball team until I, my senior year. First person to ever right. do that. And then ended up trying to walk on at Stevens Institute when that didn't work out. I've been kind of in full steam ahead on creating content and bettering myself. I can see a lot of similarities. Sure. Well, I'll give you the, the 90 second background. I'm sure we'll dig more into it as we keep talking. So I'm from the city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I was always into sports. So I played you know, backyard sports or driveway sports. We didn't have a backyard, but in the concrete playing sports, kickball, football, all of that. I tried to play on a football team, but my family couldn't afford the equipment. So I never really got a, I never really gave football a real shots. I never had equipment. Then I played baseball for a few years and I didn't have any talent for baseball, even though I kept playing, but I realized when I finally realized I didn't have talent, I started playing basketball, which is what everybody in the neighborhood where I'm from played because you don't need equipment to play basketball. You don't even need your own ball. All you have to do is just show up. You don't even need clothes. You just show up and play whatever you have. So I started out not being very good, but eventually started to get better, kept practicing, working on my game by myself. This is pre-YouTube, pre-Instagram. So there was nobody to train me, nobody to take me under their wing. My father didn't play sports. I don't have any uh, male siblings. None of my siblings play sports. And I just learned it on my own. I didn't make my high school basketball team so I was a senior. We didn't have a JV. We didn't have a freshman team. So I made it as a senior. Sat the bench that year, averaged like two points a game. So nobody would have suspected I would become anything in basketball, except I still had this idea that maybe I could do something that at that point still looked like a pipe dream, John. So then I walked on at an NCAA Division three school, uh, made the team there and got recruited, ended up getting recruited to another school. So the school I first went to wasn't D3 yet. So it was kind of like a step up to get recruited, finished my career at a D3 school, uh, leaving there. Still didn't have any prospects to play pro because I'd had this idea that maybe I could play professional basketball since I was about the age of 16, but I had no idea how I would do it, where, who was going to help me, where to start. I didn't know, have any information. And then the internet was out at this time. This is 2004, but the internet was not the internet. So I just went to an exposure camp. That's the one thing that I knew about, which is basically like a job fair for athletes and people who don't know. I went to that exposure camp, uh, showed my game there. This is a two-day event. You play four games in two days, played well there. I took the scouting report and the game footage from that event. And I marketed myself to some agents out there who were representing basketball players or looking for players to represent. I found an agent who was willing to represent me. 
he's the one who helped me get my career started. And that's where I started playing overseas in Lithuania in 2005. Now that's such an interesting story. And it's, it's crazy because obviously there's so many details that you just have to leave out just because of time. But uh, I remember listening about the, that story about you going to that exposure event and, you know, g- driving out, uh, took you super long to get there. You were tired, you were sleepy, you balled out. And then you had that VHS tape and you were so afraid you were going to lose it. So you put it up on YouTube. And I just thought that was awesome. That was a 19 hour drive. We drove from Philadelphia oh. to Orlando. So that oh, was that's right. overnight. Yep. We didn't even stop. We pulled up at the exact time the event was starting. We got out the car and started playing. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's insane. And it's just things like that, where if you haven't lived it, like you just can't really fathom what that kind of is like. I also didn't know that there was no freshman in JV team and it, you, you were trying for the varsity all those years. Just yeah. to get to that point, at the daily grind of, of having that goal and trying to uh, go after it. So going off that point, though, obviously, when you even made it as a senior, you weren't playing a lot. What does that kind of end of the bench mentality, what did that look like for you? And how, how, what was that like? What was it like for me? Well, I was, first of all, I was glad to have finally made the team. That was a little bit of validation for me that I could just make the basketball team. My whole thing was just make the team and being that, like you said, you didn't know, but in our school, we didn't have a freshman team. We didn't have a JV team. So I come from, I went to a school in North Philadelphia. So those of you who are not from a, a city and inner city high schools, they don't have a lot of money. So there's no funding. So our, even our main basketball team, there was just the coach. There's no assistant coach. There's no nothing, anything else, no strength trainer, none of that. It was just the coach. There was nobody else on the staff. And there was no JV, no nothing else. So when I finally made the team, at least I felt validated because, of course, all my classmates knew I had been trying out every year. So they're like, all right, at least he made the team. They couldn't say anything about me not making it. But now I'm sitting on the bench. And my mentality that year was I just wanted to get some experience because I knew one of the things that I was missing, I didn't have a lot of confidence. So, John, I had started to develop my game. I had been working on my game since age 14. So my senior year, I'm 17, turned 18 during that year. I developed some skills and I felt like I could do some things, but I had not proved it in a live game yet. So I just wanted to get some game experience and the city of Philadelphia public league, at least as it was at that time, is like getting thrown into the fire, getting thrown to the wolves, but I didn't even play that much. But one thing that worked in my, in my favor that a lot of people don't know is that my classmate is dude named Darian Chavis. He was the best player on the team. And he ended up being all, all conference, all city. He made all the lists and all that in the newspaper, getting awards and all these things. He had a D1 scholarship. He averaged like 25 or whatever points a game. But he and I were classmates during the school day, all day, every day. Now, he and I, me and Darian were not like friends like that. But since I made the basketball team and we knew of each other, I would like playfully talk trash to him. Like, man, I'm better than you. I could beat you one-on-one. You ain't all that. And even though he's the best player on the team, now he's looking at me. I'm this dude at the end of the bench who just made the team as a senior. So he kind of took it as a joke. Like, all right, this guy really thinks he's better than me, but he's competitive. So he was like, all right, Dre, let's play one-on-one. Because I think in the back of his mind, he probably knew he was going to win. So we would play one-on-one before practice every day. And we didn't even keep score. We would just play until the coach came in and started practice. And over the course of the year, he probably won. He had more points than me in the game, that running game that we played. But – Every now and then I would do a move against him and it would work or he would try something on me and I would stop him. So that gave me that planted the seeds of confidence in my mind. Like this guy is the best player, one of the best 20 players in the city. And I'm doing my thing against him. That means I can actually play. I just needed to get the confidence to do it in a five on five game when there are all these fans in the stands, as opposed to just doing it when I'm playing one guy and nobody's watching. So that was the seed sitting at the end of the bench to help give me that confidence to keep moving. 
No, that, that's, that's great. And I mean, I can relate to that so much in terms of just picking at that every, every single day to try to get that confidence. So how do you think you can get confidence just when you're not? What, what do you think that looks like? The biggest thing that I tell people is since confidence is defined as your belief in your ability to do something, the biggest thing that I look at when it comes to confidence is seeing yourself as the person that you want to be. So I talked about this in one of my TED Talks. I talked about this also in my book work on your game is this, this concept that I created. It's called the super you was basically you still being yourself, but it's you at your highest possible level of confidence, as opposed to the traditional way that sometimes people talk about building confidence, which is the concept of fake it till you make it, which I don't believe in. I don't believe that's actually a real thing. The reason is the human brain, as they say, it does not know the difference between reality and imagination. So when you are thinking that you're faking it till you make it, your brain knows that you're faking it. You're telling yourself that you're faking it. It's the very thing that you're giving yourself. Your brain is saying, okay, this is just for fake. It's just pretend. It's just for temporary. So when you say you're faking it, no matter what you do, eventually your brain is waiting for the moment when it turns off and you're going to go back to being the regular you. So when you become the super you, this is the way that I teach it, you become the highest level of yourself and it's something that you become. It is not faking it until you make it. It's becoming it right there on the spot. And when you decide that you're going to be someone other than what you've been, everything changes at that moment. And the only thing that can stop it is your decision to stop being that person. So when you decide to be it, as long as you can maintain it and you condition yourself to stay as that individual, you will stay at that higher level of confidence. The biggest challenge for many people is how do they stay at that level? But that's, you know, as a professional, that's one of the things that I help people with. Well, that's, that's, that's great. And on that note of it's your decision to kind of step away from that, what, would, what did that kind of look like for you when you decided not to play anymore, whether you're going to be all in or all out? So when it came to uh, not playing basketball anymore, this is about five years ago from now when we're having this conversation. I just knew that I had other skills. Coming, from out of, coming out of a Division three school, I knew that my career was not going to be just perfect all the time. And there were many times, even once I started playing overseas, that I wasn't able to always have a job. I didn't know when my next check was going to come. There were times I didn't even have an agent. So I knew that I was going to need to develop other skills and I might need them sooner rather than later. But at the same time, I'm looking at NBA players that we all watch as basketball players who had great careers. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Steve Nash, whoever. These people are retiring around the age of 40. And those are the, the best of the best are retiring at age 40. And I'm thinking, okay, if you're an athlete, you're in great shape, you're probably going to be alive until you're 80, 90, 100 years old. So when you finish playing basketball, you still got half of your life to live. And nobody cares when you're an ex-basketball player. All right, Nobody cares about an ex-basketball player. It's cool when you are a basketball player, but when you're done and you say you used to play, people are going to say, okay, that's cool, but what are you doing now? What are you bringing to the table that is useful to society today? So I always had in the back of my mind, I need to have other skills to put into the world. And luckily for me, I always had those skills. So I was always into, I loved uh, reading and writing and just expressing my opinion, expressing my point of views, whether it was through written content. I started blogging at the same time I started playing overseas back in 2005, making videos, of course, on YouTube, which is where a lot of basketball players came to know me. Nowadays, you have podcasting, uh, professional speaking, anywhere where I can take the ideas that are in my head and express them to other people. I had always been into that. So luckily the internet came about and came of age kind of at the exact same time that I had got out of college and I was looking for what am I going to do you know, with myself and with my life. So in 2015, to answer your question, 
I knew that there were other opportunities out there for what I could do. I felt like I had done the things that I wanted to do in basketball. And I ended up taking like a week off from the gym because I had just done so much grinding for the last, it had been damn near 20 years. I said, let me take this week off and see how I feel just as an experiment. And I didn't miss the gym during that week. And at that moment, it told me it was time for me to walk away because any other time that I missed the gym, I missed it. Or anytime I didn't go to the gym, I missed the fact that I hadn't gone. But during that week, I didn't really miss it. So I said, you know, it's time for me to walk away from the game because when I stop loving that grind, then that means I'm not going to be putting my full self into it. So that's how I knew it was time to go on, move on. No, that's, that's great. And obviously what you're just saying about knowing you had other skills and having the self-awareness to realize that it is super important. And you, you became the father of internet workout videos and right when YouTube started in, in 2006. So what was that kind of like for you in turning this whole work on your game thing into a brand? Man, well... Yeah, I put that video, the first video I put up, as you mentioned, uh, I know you have been paying attention. I put the VHS tape up on YouTube, well, transferred the VHS to digital, put it on YouTube, and that's you know, kind of where it began. Nobody was putting videos on the internet at that time in any sport, let alone in basketball. I didn't put out videos consistently for probably about four or five years. So I put the first video up around 06. That was from the exposure camp I went to in 2005. And then I would just put videos up sporadically. I would just randomly put a video up. I would record something and I wouldn't even edit it or put it up for like three months. It would just sit on my computer because I didn't care. Because at that time, it was YouTube was just a place for, you know, you put videos of your baby or your cat doing something funny. Nobody cared about YouTube. There was no branding. There was no influencing. You couldn't even make money from ad revenue at this time. And that didn't start until around 2009, 2010. When somebody told me about there are people who are making ad revenue from just putting out a video, it was popular. YouTube would run some ads on it and they would split the money with you. I said, okay, I'll take a, I'll take a couple of dollars from YouTube. I'm already making videos. So you had to apply at this time. So I went and put in an application to YouTube and the first time I actually got rejected. So then I applied again. You had to wait like 30, 60 days, whatever it was. And I asked myself, all right, what am I going to offer that nobody else is offering? I needed to be able to offer something unique. And this is, again, just a thought that I've always had in my mind. What am I bringing to the table that nobody else is bringing to the table? Even though there weren't even anybody else making basketball videos, obviously that didn't matter to YouTube because they rejected me the first time. So what am I going to do or say about myself that nobody else can say, no matter what they're putting out? I said, all right, I'm going to put out a video every day. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell YouTube I put out videos every day. So in that 60-day waiting period after the first rejection before you were allowed to apply again, I started putting up a video every single day on YouTube. This is 2009. So then when I applied the second time, YouTube accepted me. So then I was able to you know, make some ad revenue from the YouTube videos. And that's really where it started. It started from people, basketball players like yourself, John, just finding me. It's not like people were going online and saying, let me look up Dre Baldwin because I was a nobody. Even though I was playing overseas, nobody in the United States watches overseas basketball. They didn't know me. They were just looking up basketball help and they happened to come across me. And nowadays we have, who knows, millions of people doing it. But the genesis of the brand was putting those videos on YouTube just because I just wanted to get that, that partnership affiliation with YouTube just so I can make uh, some gas money from uh, posting videos online. No, that, that's awesome on, on the start of it. So in terms of daily posting, posting every day, a lot of people it's about how not care about what other people think and just posting videos, getting content out day, every day and hammering that thing home. What was that kind of like for you, especially at a time when it wasn't cool to post on YouTube to be doing that? Yeah, well, I wasn't even thinking about 
whether it was cool or not. Honestly, I didn't care. I was just posting what I was doing. So once I start putting up, when I put my first video up, people have left comments and asking questions. Hey, who taught you? How often do you work out? Can you make a video about dunking or how do you learn how to do the crossover? So I realized right there that there's an audience of people who want to learn how to play ball who are probably like me and that they didn't have anybody teaching them. And they just want to learn from anybody who looks like they know what they're doing. It didn't matter who I was. They didn't care where I came from. And people didn't really care so much about me personally, not until later once they got to know me. But what they cared about was I need to learn basketball. Is there someone out there who's willing to teach? So I realized I was going to the gym every day already. So I said, let me just bring my little cheap little camera, just sit it up on the bench, and I'll just record myself working out, and I'll just take the parts that look interesting and put them on YouTube. So that's all I was doing. And I didn't think it was a big deal because I figured I'm playing professional basketball. I'm not the only player in the world playing. I figured every basketball player does this, goes to the gym every day and does things to make themselves better. What I realized, John, was that not every player did this. Every player did not go to the gym every day to get better. So I realized that what came naturally to me and what I thought was just normal, commonplace, it wasn't normal. So once I started realizing that there was a real audience of people who wanted this thing, that eventually led to, again, as I said, the everyday posting. Shortly after that, I started creating my own products and services. And then I started talking about mindset and those things planted the seed for you know, where I'm at now as just running my own company as a CEO. Well, obviously opened it up in so many other ways past YouTube, whether it's your podcast, whether it's your books, how do you keep these ideas just consistently coming? It feels like you're almost never going to run out of content. What does it look like for you? Yeah, well, to date is over uh, 1600 audio masterclasses and 27 books just to just to give you an update but uh as far as the the content goes you're right i will never run out of content and the reason is because i have conditioned my mind to come up with ideas i can come up with ideas off of anything it may be a question that you ask me here today i might think of something and say you know what i need to make a, a video about that or that could be a chapter in my next book and the way i was able to come up with that is i give credit to a guy by the name of james altitude who's an online uh, content creator. He's an author himself. He has, a, he has a podcast too. And he talked about uh, the idea muscle. He's the first person I ever heard talk about this. And what he said was every day, just write down 10 ideas. And they don't have to be good ideas. They don't have to be actionable ideas. You don't have to even execute on the idea. Just come up with 10 ideas about anything every day. And if you need help, come up with the topic. 10 ideas for... Amazon, how to make Amazon better, or 10 ideas for how you can gain 10 pounds in a week if you needed to. 10 ideas for the type, kind of car you would want to drive. You could design your own car. 10 ideas for anything. So me, I started actually doing that. This is around 2014 when I started doing this. So for basketball, I was just coming up with combinations. I'll talk about that in a second. But around 2014, I started following James's daily practice of coming up with 10 ideas. And I would start coming up with ideas for content. So what kind of articles can I write about or what can I make a, a video about? Or maybe what could I write a book about? And a lot of my ideas, John, came from just listening to my audience. So once I had a certain audience on YouTube, for example, every time I posted something, people would leave comments. And the comments is where my ideas would come from. So I would do a move and, or, and make a nice shot. And somebody would say, well, that was a nice move, but can you do it with your left hand? Because I'm right-handed. I said, sure, I can. So that would give me another idea right there. Or somebody would say, well, Dre, what would you do if there's a defender right there and you can't get all the way to the rim and, and dunk it, what about shooting a shot? And I said, okay, I'll shoot it. I'll do the same move and shoot a jump shot. So that gave me an idea just listening to my audience because every comment that they left was a question. Even if they weren't asking the question, it was a question. Even if someone criticized me, that criticism was a question if you looked at it the right way. 
So with the basketball thing, to go back in the story, I started combining my ideas. So for example, I might make a video showing people how to do a crossover, and then I'll make a video showing you how to do a jump shot. So those are two different ideas. But what if we combine the crossover and the jump shot? So here's how to do a crossover and then shoot a jump shot. So that's idea number three. Now, here's how to do the crossover the opposite direction to shoot a jump shot. That's idea number four. Now, what about a crossover to faking the jump shot, driving to the basket, basket with your left hand? That's idea number five. Now do it with your right hand, idea number six. So as you can see, this can just grow exponentially as long as you have the mind to do it, number one. And number two, you actually have to have the ability to actually execute these things. So I had both. I had the ability to actually do these ideas. It wasn't just something that I wrote down. Well, that's genius. And it seems so simple just listening to other people and, and having the creativity to expand on what you already have. But that, that, that's awesome. That's I mean, obviously, though, it's not always this smooth. And, and there are times when there are failures. I noticed your, your pin tweet on Twitter is, if you haven't failed, you're a failure. So can you tell us about a time where you felt like a loser and, and kind of how you overcame that? Only one time? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so <laughs> in high school, when I, didn't make my, when I didn't make the team the junior year. Now, my freshman year, I'm like, all right, not too many people make the team as a freshman. So it would have been great to have made it, but I didn't really care that I didn't make it as a freshman. Nobody makes the team as a freshman. Maybe a few people, but I wasn't worried about it. Sophomore year, I was a little bit more into making it, but I didn't even think that was that big of a deal because in high schools where they have full programs, usually you got the freshman team, then maybe as a sophomore you move up to the JV. So I'm like, all right, we don't have that, but I didn't make it as a sophomore. Who cares? My junior year was when I really wanted to make it because I figured I need to get game experience. I knew this. So I figured my junior year could be my year to you know, groom myself and get better. And then my senior year, I already got my feet wet. I know what to expect. Then I can go out there and dominate and I can be a superstar and get a college, a D1 scholarship. So when my junior year tryouts came around, I was ready. I felt like I was ready. I had become more confident. I developed more of my game. I could dunk at this point if, you know, if I got a running start and move people out of the way, I could probably dunk. So I think I'm ready to go. So we get to tryouts and just by luck of the draw, this particular year in tryouts, the coach decides we're not even going to do full court. He decided we would do half court. So all he did was have us play three on three. So all these boys trying out, he would just pick people and just have us play three on three. He would just sit there at half court and watch the three on three games and evaluate. So I unluckily got matched up with a senior who was about my height. He was a little bit taller than me, but he was way stronger than me. And this guy wasn't even that much of a scorer, but he was so much stronger than me that he just posted me up and he was just scoring on me in front of everybody in tryout. So I just got matched up with the worst possible guy that I could match up with. This guy scored on me like eight times in a row in front of everybody. And I didn't make the team just because of that, because I basically got embarrassed at tryouts that year. So at that point, this is my junior year. So at this point, this is three years in a row I didn't make the team. I didn't do anything extracurricular besides basketball. I went to school, played basketball, and that's all I did. I wasn't into anything else. I wasn't you know, trying to be a rapper. I wasn't into fashion. I wasn't doing anything other than basketball in school. So when I didn't make it, I'm looking at myself and people who knew me looking at me like, all right, you put all that time into basketball and look what happened. So what are you doing? So I started to think that maybe I need to figure out you know, what's another plan for my life? Because obviously basketball is not going to be it. And for about a week or two, I didn't touch a basketball. I didn't even think about it. I just tried to figure out, because I'd always been a, a visualizer. What can I visualize myself doing if, since it's obviously not going to be basketball? The universe keeps telling me that basketball is not my thing. And for those, that one to two weeks, every time I tried to visualize myself as something else, it kept coming back to basketball. And I didn't know why. So 
in my neighborhood in the local recreation center, someone told me that there was a team that was going to be starting up like age 16 and under team. And I'm 16 at the time. So I said, all right, let me just go play on that team and let's see if I could do something there. Maybe, you know, since basketball keeps coming to my mind, let's see what happens. I went and played on that team and I did really well on that team. I was actually one of the go-to guys on this local team during my junior year of high school. And that built my confidence back up. So then my senior year, that gave me enough confidence to go try out again. And the senior year, I actually did good at tryouts. And we played three-on-three again, but this time it was three-on-three full court. And I did well there, and that's how I made the team. Uh, That's fantastic. And I can actually relate to that so much in terms of just having all that outside noise of saying, is John always going to be the guy who just tries it every year and gets cut? And it's kind of like, it feels like it's the narrative. And then you have one more chance and and you kind of change that. So that's awesome. So how do you feel like those failures, and obviously there's countless others outside of that, kind of turned you in and helped you become a great entrepreneur? That's a great question. So it's the tools that I had to develop in order to to become something in basketball, to overcome obstacles in basketball, and then to succeed in basketball. And those four tools are basically the cornerstone of my philosophy to this day that I used in sports and I use today. And that's discipline, showing up every day to do the work. Confidence, putting yourself out there, boldly and authentically. Mental toughness, continuing to show up, doing the work, putting yourself out there, even when the success you've expected to achieve is yet to be achieved. And personal initiative, going and making things happen, instead of waiting for things to happen. So I needed all of those elements in order to make myself mediocre, then good at basketball, confidence to show my game when it mattered the most, mental toughness to deal with those setbacks, and personal initiative, which is to get started. Because a lot of people have ideas and they write things down, they have all these grandiose plans, but then they don't actually do anything with them. So all those tools if you really think about it, and it's something that I've learned as I work nowadays with entrepreneurs and business professionals, and of course, still some athletes, is that you need these same tools at work. You need these same tools if you work in an office building or you're starting a business or you have a podcast or if you're playing a sport and just in your everyday life. I mean, you need discipline to, to have a successful life. You're going to need to have some discipline in many areas. You want to be confident enough that you can succeed and do things mentally tough because there will always be setbacks in life no matter who you are how perfect you are, how successful you are. There will always be some kind of setback to deal with. And whenever you have an idea, something you want to do, you want to take initiative because we are all, I tell people all the time, we're on the clock. None of us knows how much time we have remaining on this planet. So if you have an idea, something that you want to do or something you want to say or a type of person you want to be, you can't keep putting that off till tomorrow because you are not guaranteed a tomorrow. So that's how all these tools relate to what I do now. Now That's great. And just kind of off that point, what's kind of advice you'd give to a 20-year-old? And does that advice differ from the advice you'd give a 20-year-old Dre Baldwin, or is it kind of the same? Or is that 20-year-old you? Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Well, let's make it more granular. Tell me a specific challenge that the 20-year-old is having so I can give you something that can really help you directly. Okay, so we have a 20-year-old. He's trying to break into the sports business, whether it's an internship with, with an NBA team because that's his main focus is basketball. And right now he's, he's coaching. He's creating content on social media, whether it's through a podcast, whether it's through a sports business club at his school. And he's really just trying to explore all possible avenues to better himself and make himself the best possible candidate he can be. So what kind of advice would you have for that guy? Okay. You want to get in working with a sports organization. One of the most important things you need to do is take initiative, like show them that you really want that job. And in showing them that you really want the job, you need to do the same thing that I was thinking about when I was applying to get 
into the YouTube partner program and make ad revenue, which is show them something that other people cannot show them. Be able to say something about yourself that other people cannot say about themselves, which means since you already have, you have a podcast, if you're putting content out there, if you're doing things to help other people, make sure that you can show, hey, here's my show. Here are the things that I'm talking about on my podcast. Here are the people that I've interviewed. Look at, look at some of the material. Listen to some of the episodes. Look at the content that I'm posting. Look at the audience that I'm building. If you're coaching people, get testimonials from those people on video. Get testimonials that are written. Get testimonials from parents. Ask them, hey, ask the parents and the people that you're helping. Hey, who do you know? Who do you know who may know somebody in this field? Who do you know if I'm trying to get this internship, where do you think I should go? Because they will know things that you don't know because they have experiences that you don't have. And you never know who knows who. And if somebody likes you, they may know somebody that you would never have come across without all the hard work in the world because of that connection. So the main thing that I would tell if I was you at 20 years old or talking to you directly at 20 years old is figure out what you can offer that nobody else can offer who is also going after the same thing that you're going after because that is the main thing that will separate you. It is not necessarily hard work because everybody at certain levels, everybody's going to work hard and everybody's going to claim that they would work hard if given the opportunity, but you need a little bit more than that. What is going to differentiate you from everybody else out there? If you could, if you want to brainstorm on one thing, that's the thing that you should focus your mental efforts on. Thank you so much. It's fantastic advice because a lot of people would kind of think that what differentiates me is that I'm going to work harder than everybody, but you're right. At a certain point, everyone works hard. It's not good enough. There, there yeah. needs to, yeah, there has to be something else that, that gets you over the top. So thank you for that. And, and, and that, does that advice, would you give a 20 year old Dre that kind of same advice or would you change it up a little bit kind of for what you were doing at the time? The best advice that I would give myself, because I think I've kind of inherently understood that for a long time. So I probably wouldn't give myself that advice because I, it's something that I kind of knew. The best advice I would give me is to get involved and invested in personal development as quickly as possible, because I did not, I was not taught personal development growing up. I had always been into, I had a natural inclination for reading the books. I would go into bookstores back when we had bookstores of like personal human psychology and things like that. I would always gravitate to that section. I, of course, I look at the sports section, but then I look at the personal psychology. It's just the way that people think, human psychology that is. And this is before people are, I don't think people are even using the phrase personal development or I just was not aware of it. So I would tell myself to get into that as quickly as possible because that is the way I define it for those who are listening is any type of material that will help you become smarter, better, uh, more valuable in the marketplace, meaning helping you develop human capital. Those are skills, knowledge, resources, how to abilities that make you more valuable to other people in the world. Because if you want to provide value to the world, you have to do something that is a benefit to another person. It's not just about ourselves but we help ourselves through helping other people, which is the same thing that I did on YouTube, but I wasn't even trying to, but because I was helping other people, I started helping myself at the same time by the same token. It seems like a simple idea, help other people and it'll help yourself, but a lot of times you right. forget that. Um, exactly. So off that same point, what are the plans for the future for you um, in terms of where you're gonna grow, work on your game as a brand from now and, and what else you're looking into getting into? Oh man, it's a lot of things. First of all, with work on your game, we have so much material that we've created over the years, whether it's the, the paid stuff, the books, the courses, things like that, and the free stuff, all the videos, the podcast episodes, the uh, videos, the social media content, 
And one thing that we got to make sure that we don't do is put out so much material that people are confused as to where to begin or exactly what they're going to get. So one thing that we are focusing on right now is making sure we streamline what we're offering so that when someone comes into the work on your game ecosystem slash Drake Baldwin ecosystem, they know exactly where to begin, exactly where they're going and exactly what they're going to get. So making sure that we streamline our offering so people know exactly where to go and how to get there and know why they're going in that direction. Other than that, hopefully uh, this COVID situation clears up so we can get back out into the world. And I like doing live events. I love doing live professional speaking events and meeting more people and probably getting into doing some of my own live events in the future. We'll do them digitally as long as we need to, but being able to do some things live as well. And those are really the main things, getting to work on your game message. Another thing that rather is doing exactly what we're doing right now, now talking to people like yourself, getting in front of audiences of people who can benefit from the work on your game message and making sure that we're getting as much value as possible to those audiences as we can. Because I know that even though a lot of people know me, that's a probably less than 1% of the world has ever heard of me. So there's a whole lot more people out there who can, learn about this work on your game message. So that's the focus every single day is getting that message out to people who actually want it and need it. Uh, definitely not. It's super important to get that message out. What's the best way for our listeners to get in contact with you and, and see and keep up with what you're doing? Man, well, I'm on every platform. I think the only popular platform I'm not on is TikTok, but I'm on everything else. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, whichever one, Facebook, whichever one you like, whoever's listening, you just look that one up and type in my name, and I'll be there. My home website is dreallday.com. I do have a book, John, that I offer people for free if they would just cover the shipping. Can I tell people about that? Oh, of course, of course. Okay, so that book is called The Mirror of Motivation. And the reason why I made this book free is a couple of reasons. First of all, as I mentioned, I've written all these books and sometimes people would ask me, they say, Dre, you got all these books and I like your stuff and I wanna buy one, but which one do I buy first? Which one, where do I start? And I didn't even have an answer because I had all these books. I didn't have an answer to the question. So of course they couldn't figure it out. So the book you should start with is this one called The Mirror of Motivation. And I'm gonna tell you why. Since my philosophy is based on discipline, confidence, mental toughness, personal initiative, this book is about discipline. The subtitle of the book is The Self-Guide to Self-Discipline. And the reason why you wanna get this book first is because Everyone who's listening to this probably has some goals. You have some things you want to achieve in life. And you're probably not dumb. You realize that you're going to have to put some effort in, right? You can't get something for nothing. You are willing to do the work. The challenge is many people never ask themselves a third pivotal question, which is, who do I need to be? What type of person do I need to become while I'm doing this work in order to achieve my outcome? Because I'm sure there are people listening to this right now who you feel like you have done everything right. You're doing everything you're supposed to do. You're doing the hard work, showing up every day, yet you are still not getting the results. And the reason why that's happening is not because there's something wrong with you or there's anything wrong with your plans. It is because you never asked yourself, who do I need to be? When you ask that question and you answer it, which this book is going to help you do, you will approach life with a different energy, with a different spirit. You will see yourself different. The world will see you differently. Therefore, taking the same actions that you were taking before will produce completely different results. When your energy changes, your actions change, and your results change. So that's why this book is called The Mirror of Motivation, to be clear, because this is not me hyping you up. This is me giving you a framework for how you can look in the mirror and become the best version of yourself over and over again and condition yourself to stay at that level 
for as long as you want to stay there. Therefore, your actions will produce the results you want. You can get that book for free. All you do is cover the shipping at mirrorofmotivation.com. No, that's awesome. And it's such an important lesson too of if you, you know, if you always need someone else to motivate you, you know, you're not going to get a lot done and you're not going to be able to take a lot of action. But if, as long as you have a guide to show you how to do it, it makes it much easier for you to put that action into place. So before we go, I have one more kind of fun question for you. How did the whole Dre all day thing start? Where did that nickname come from? I made it up. Oh, <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, this was, I registered that domain name in 2000 and I think it was 2007. So I'd already had some YouTube videos up, but I didn't have a website yet. And what had happened is I've always been a big reader, John. So I had read this book called Pop, P-O-P. It was authored by the name of Sam Horn, female. And the book was all about how to create a compelling a brand names and titles for anything that you have that makes it easy for people. And Pop stood for three things. I can't remember the three things it stood for because this is like 2006 when I read the book. But it's about creating a name that sticks in people's minds. So I had always had this idea, even back to like in college, 2002, 2003, that I was always going to have a website that was by me and about me. So I'm thinking at the time, this is around the time where I finally realized, oh, you know what, I need to do that website thing. So I'm on GoDaddy.com and they can register a domain name. It's only you know, $10. So I'm like, all right, I'm about to do it. But now I'm like, what's the name going to be? And I'm thinking, all right, DreBaldwin.com. That is my name, but that's not catchy. Like nobody's going to remember DreBaldwin.com. So I needed something that was like easy to remember and somebody would hear it and say, all right, I like that. So I went and read through that book, Pop, again. And I'm just thinking, I'm just brainstorming in my mind. All right, what's a good, a good name that would, you know, if it is me, but at the same time is memorable enough. And eventually I came up with that. Dre all day. I said, that's perfect. Dre all day. So that's how I came up with it, just to register that domain name. And yeah, that's the story. Dude, I looked up Pop by Sam Horn, and it comes up as purposeful, original, and pithy. Right. But yeah, purposeful, that's original, it. pithy. That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty cool. That's right. That is the book. Shout out to Sam Horn. Awesome, Dre. Now, thank you so much for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. And I think our listeners learned a lot about not just your story, but just how they can apply that to themselves and, and become better for it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Big Fellas Podcast. Check us out on all major social media platforms at Big Fellas Pod to join the chop up. You can also listen to us on every podcast platform on the planet. Stay tuned for the next episode, Big Fellas.